Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Stephen Shea with me on the show. Stephen is a breakthrough coach for entrepreneurs. He helps entrepreneurs who've done endless amounts of personal growth work and are wondering why they aren't, they still aren't breaking through. His commitment is to help entrepreneurs finally experience their expansion, healing, and prosperity that deep down they know is meant for them. And in today's episode, we dive into the four things that are holding you back, reprogramming the subconscious, moving into flow states, the different levels, and what it means to step into courage. Can't wait to dive in. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. And today I'm here with Stephen Shea. And Stephen is a breakthrough coach for entrepreneurs. And so I'm so excited to dive into all the magic and medicine that Stephen's offering the world. And so to start, we're going to start with the story that has brought you to the work that you're doing in the world today. And so Dark Nights of the Soul, the Rising all of the ebbs and flows that we go through in this human experience. So what is your story? Well, I just want to uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. And uh, I'm glad we're starting with something light. <laughs> no, it's a small question. It's a really small question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you want my story for like the dark night of the soul, how I got here? Yeah. What has yeah. led you to the work that you're doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, my dark night of the soul would have to be, it was in 2011. And up until then, you know, I had reached some form of what, you know, air quote, they call success. Uh, But I was feeling miserable. So, you know, I had a a company that was doing well. I had, you know, just all all the things that are supposed to make someone happy. Mm -hmm. And um, through actually going to a personal development event and meeting a lot of um, entrepreneurs who, who had success in a different way. They had success, but I could tell they were feeling fulfilled. And that caused me to question a lot about my life and how I'd been leading my life and what was, I thought, important to me. And when I came back from that event, I, you know, I, I was working with a therapist at the time and through, I, I just saw that none of this is making me happy. None of this is making me feel fulfilled. Um, ended up ending, uh, what was that? Six or seven year relationship. I had my company for seven years. I ended up closing that down. Um, and I ended up restarting my whole life basically, uh, from scratch. But in that process, yeah, I definitely had a dark night of the soul where I was questioning everything in my life, everything, every way, every decision I've made about how to live. Um, and I felt lost for quite a while, um, but through, you know, working with my therapist, doing a lot of personal growth, personal development, which I actually started quite a few years earlier. And uh, yeah, I began to find my way back to who I really am and what really matters to me. Um, and it turns out that that was very different than everything I was chasing after uh, previously in life. And so, yeah, the dark night of the soul lasted quite a while. It was, you know, a few months at best. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of tears, a lot of questioning and mm. um, feeling lost for a very long time. But um, 
you know, sometimes to find out who we really are, we, we really have to experience who we're not. And mm. uh, I feel like that was the the situation I was in. I'm so glad I went through that because, well, here I am now. I get to speak with you. Yeah, <laughs> looks guy. like I made it. <laughs> this is success right here. <laughs> this, this is it. This is it. I can I can stop everything else now. Yeah, yeah. You've been on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Yeah. So with that dark night of the soul that took place and. Does the business, the industry that you were in before, does it relate at all to what you do now? Or is it completely different? Are they merging together? Uh, <laughs> they're completely different because what I was doing before I was a concert promoter mm. um, and tour producer. And so basically, long story short, it was all ego driven. It was just, I, I'm important. I'm so cool. I put these big events, big events together. And yeah, when I look back, it was completely driven by ego. And while I do love doing events, it was doing them for the wrong reason. Um, in the last two or three years of me running concerts, I also became a clinical hypnotherapist, but that was mainly out of curiosity and interest. I was fascinated by the subconscious mind and uh, I ended up getting mentored um, by one of the authorities in Canada around um, hypnosis and working with the subconscious mind. <clears throat> pardon me and um so for the last couple of years of it i was really fascinated by personal development and the unconscious mind but i hadn't fully dove into the point that i was like this is what i'm doing like this mm -hmm. is the only thing i'm doing i'm focusing my life on this and so i continued to play with it and do it and work with a couple of people with it um but then it was through the dark night of the soul that it was the very tools that I was learning to use in my personal development and from my hypnotherapy uh, training and my work that I had to use it all on myself. Mm -hmm. And I had to find out what was really stopping me. So now, you know, the work that I do, when I look back now, how long have I been in personal de development and clinical hypnotherapy? So I got involved in 2008. So we're now looking at, I guess, almost 14 years. If I'm doing the math right. And what I really want to do is, uh, you know, and this has been a healing journey for me for 14 years. It continues. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. stop. And, you know, one of the things I'm committed to is helping people experience the shifts that took me 14 years in hopefully weeks, months, or, you know, somewhere around there, something yeah. much shorter than 14 years. Um, so yeah, my work is very, different now. I do plan on doing events in the future, which I'm excited about. Um, and yeah, but they're very different because this one's more driven by, I just want people to have what, what I have, which I would say is peace inside now, mo most days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And that fulfillment, that fulfillment really stood out that maybe the path that you were on before, there wasn't the fulfillment with the entrepreneurial work the business and now it's more of a filled life as an entrepreneur as doing the work that you came onto the the planet to do so after the dark night of soul was there a big choice that you made where it took you in a completely different direction what did that look like yeah so there were three big choices that i had to make um one was you know as i said the ending of a relationship Mm -hmm. And uh, that came with, you know, a lot of challenges. Uh, two, it was the closing of my company. 
because my identity was built around that company. It, I didn't even see myself. If you took my company away and asked me, who am I? I wouldn't know what to say to you mm. um, without saying I was a content promoter. And so closing that company, which kind of burned the ships, it kind of forced me to say, okay, well now, now I have to go in a direction that is fulfilling. And you know, when I think about, I can't remember the exact definition of the word fulfilled, but it's when you're involved in an activity that calls forth your character and your abilities. So mm-hmm. what makes you really come to life and what lights you up? Not because it, not because it gives you money or not because it gives you fame or this or that, but what lights you up just in doing that action in, in, in being that way. And so when I based my life off that, it was contributing to other people. It was helping myself heal, but also contributing to other people and helping them heal, helping them expand and helping them experience breakthroughs in their life. Mm-hmm. So what is the work that you do now look like? So the work that I do now is I work with entrepreneurs. Usually they've experienced some level of success or even a lot of success, but they're missing the fulfillment. So, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of a similar story as mine. They, they got the money, they got this, they got that, um, all the achievements, but they're wondering why they're just chasing the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. And so, you know, in the work that I do, I help people see that, you know, there's this concept that it's not my concept. It's definitely out there in the personal development world, but a lot of my coaching is built on it. And that is be, do, have. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, most people live from have, do, be. That's how they think they're going to be happy because they say, well, I want to feel proud, successful, fulfilled, confident, empowered. So they say, okay, well, when I have the money, when I have the success, when I have that shiny car, whatever their goal is, then I'm going to be able to do all the things that I want to do, have, do, and then be, I'm going to be happy, proud, successful, fulfilled, confident, empowered, whatever it is thereafter. And what I help people see is that how you actually achieve success. And I mean, true fulfillment is by operating from the inside out. And that is from be, do, have. Mm -hmm. So whatever feeling it is that you want to be or whatever adjective, or, you know, if you want to be happy, proud, successful, fulfilled, confident, empowered, you have to begin being that now. And what that means is focusing on what brings that to you now. And it's not money, it's not plane trips and, vacation and none of that is it it's all the things as i said you know in fulfillment being involved in activities that call your character and your abilities forward or activities that call your character and your abilities forward and so it's bringing that into your world and Mm. you know operating more in that way for me myself you know and generally we we try to steer away from the very things that bring us fulfillment because they're usually the things that are most scary to us for me it's te- teaching, speaking, and leading, you know, showing up in the world, using my voice. And while that has been the scariest thing for me, it's also the most fulfilling. And the more that I do that, I'm in my zone of genius, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've both read uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And uh, he talks about that, the zone of genius. And what I've noticed in my life and the life of all my clients is that when you figure out what your zone of genius is and you do that, hopefully daily or at least more often 
you'll begin to see extraordinary outcomes and synchronicities just show up in your life that are supporting you to do that more and more in your life. So mm. that's basically what it looks like to work with me. And on the back end, uh, and this is getting you know into the, the deeper part of it, and that is overcoming the different levels of blocks that are stopping you. And some of them are you know mindset blocks, and some of them are identity blocks. And on deeper levels, we have unconscious blocks, and then we also have nervous system blocks, and mm -hmm. so or what we call trauma. Yeah. Um, and so it's you know helping people find out what makes them feel fulfilled, helping them show up in that way, and then as they're on that on that pathway everything that's ever been stopping them from being that way will show up. And then we overcome that. Mm. So, yeah. I love the be do have, and I've had it um, really significantly show up in my life at different points. And this is kind of like, you know, we have the micro experiences and then the macro experiences, but one of my favorite manifesting stories was when I was manifesting a trip to Avalon and I was in the feeling tone that I had already been there. I was looking mm -hmm. for places to stay. Like I was already going the, the retreat that I wanted to go on was completely filled. Like it was full. There was no space for me, but I acted as if I was already going. Mm -hmm. And even to the point, like I was already on the trip, like I was driving to teach yoga and like in such joy to the point of tears, because I was experiencing this retreat that I wasn't even booked to be on. And people thought I was completely nuts, but that's be do have where it's like, I am, I'm showing up as if it's already happened. And then that mm -hmm. allows the universe to actually bring it to me as opposed to like waiting for the retreat, a spot to open up or whatever. I was already acting as if I was booked on it and I ended up on the retreat. So that's kind of my favorite manifesting story or really showing up from that be do have on a kind of micro level. And then it starts to ripple out on like macro levels throughout life. Is there mm -hmm. a story for you of that be do have energy where something just like those moments where you're like, holy shit, I just manifested this into my life by acting as if it's already had already happened. Yeah. So, and I just want to say, before I get into it, the, your story and, uh, Avalon, uh, it's, um, you know, you and I've talked about this many times on, you know, our phone calls and when we hang out and that, that has shifted your life in such a profound way. It's had such an impact on your life. And, but that came from your being, yeah. It didn't come from your hoping, your desiring, your, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, I love uh, vision boards, but we just need to be careful not to get too far into the desire state, like desire when we're like seeing something on a vision board, and don't get me wrong, I do have a vision board, but if we see it and we say, I want that, I hope I have that, I, I can't wait to have that, well, now that's not the energy of being, that's the energy of wanting like now there's separation between us and that thing that we say we want well if you're being it you'd already have it so you'd be behaving that way so now the universe the world god whatever you want to call it responds accordingly it responds to you being that person not wanting to be that person so yeah. i just want to acknowledge you because like you really you've impacted so many people in your life in your work in what you do now with phoenix rising um and I can't say it's all come from you doing that, but a lot of it has um, mm, because it's yeah. giving you that internal faith and the evidence uh, that this works. 
that mm. if you have faith in being who it is you know you're meant to be, um, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, will respond accordingly yeah. with some challenges. With the, oh, there's definitely the challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that trip totally changed the trajectory of the work that I'm doing yeah. on the planet. And I just want to you know, hone in on if we're like, well, when I have that, or I want that, or I desire that, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But that is coming no. from a place of lack, it can be where I don't have enough exactly where I am. So I love the idea of like one foot in complete gratitude for everything yeah. that we have. And then one foot in like, I want desire, like, oh, I wonder what life would be like, mm -hmm. if that came in more out of curiosity, or as opposed to like, I'm not fulfilled till I have that, because that's saying, that we're not enough exactly. exactly where we are. Exactly. Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with desire. Like desire is important to have um, as long as it's not the place we're coming from. Like you said, it's, it's being good with now, with where I am now, being complete with that and moving in a direction of something that expands you moving forward. And so, of course, desire is involved with that just as long as you're, we're not just sitting in desire and trying to create from there. Um, so to answer your question about my life, I have quite a few examples of that, but the I had one a few years ago um, and I had just gone through one of the most, probably the most challenging year of my life. And I was actually, I'm actually currently live in Vancouver, BC, um, but I was back in Newfoundland, Canada, uh, and living in a, or staying in a small town for two months with my family, just chilling out for Christmas. And um, like I said, I'd just gone through a very challenging year and I went many months without even attempting to take a client on because I, I was going through the thick of it in my own healing work. And I only had $2,400 left to my name uh, mm -hmm. at all. And it was time to go back to Vancouver and common sense and any logical accountant would tell you go back to Vancouver and find, get some clients, <laughs> like get back to work. And that is what made sense. But deep down, I like, I felt this sense of I, something about me doesn't want to go back there right now. It's this very strong. Uh, I, oof, I don't want to go there. Like, I just don't want to go back there right now. And then I asked myself, because like I said earlier, sometimes we have to experience what we don't want to find what we do. And so I said, okay, well, if I could go anywhere, where would I go? I said, I would go to San Diego because I've, a lot of my friends are down there and it just, that felt expansive to me. And so I just decided, I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy, but I know to trust this feeling when I have it, this strong pull that feels expansive. And so I just decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to San Diego. And I went to San Diego and literally within days, as I was landing, I felt, I think I described to you on a phone call before that when the plane was landing, I remember looking out the window and you see the bright lights of the city, you know, off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking something is being birthed, like something is being birthed here. I don't know what it is yet, but oh my God, like I missed this feeling. And then within days, I had opportunities just showing up to me, people wanting to work with me. And that was a couple of years ago now. And that one decision, I ended up meeting people in California who gave me, 
who introduced me to other huge clients and abundance poured into my life. I'm so grateful for how the last couple of years have gone. Um, and it, it's just been a total gift and none of it would have happened. None of the abundance, the, the synchronicities, the extraordinary outcomes that have showed up in my life and that have built my faith um, and my trust, none of that would have happened if I didn't trust that pull to go to San Diego when I only had $2,400 to my name. Uh, so yeah, I'm so grateful for um, following that pull and that, that being, because that's what it came down to. It was, I was in Newfoundland and me coming back to Vancouver when I knew I didn't want to go to Vancouver, that would go against everything that I coach people on. That would mm -hmm. go against everything that I know that works. Um, and so just being, okay, well, if I was already being an empowered coach who had all the clients da, 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 and had my everything back on track the way it was, um, what would he do? Well, he would 100% follow that pull, that, yeah. that strong pull to go to San Diego. He would, he wouldn't even think about it. It doesn't matter how much money is in the bank account. He would just go. Mm -hmm. And so following that and being in the being of the empowered, expansive version of me, that's what, uh, that's what got me to San Diego a little over two yeah. years ago. I love that um, making choices from your highest self, or we'll probably use different terms for it, but from your highest self, it's like, what would that empowered vision of version of me, what choice would he make? And then when you follow that, it's like, holy shit, things just start to align and synchronicities and the magic of the universe. And when you think about that pull or that voice, was that, was that intuition or coming from your highest self? Where would you say that was coming from? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was two things. It was one, it was this visceral experience. That's, it sounds dramatic, but it's the only way to put it. When I thought about going back to Vancouver, every cell in my body was a hard stop. It was, nope, I don't, we are not, please don't go back there right now. Mm -hmm. And then it was getting curious and going within. And, but then once I just, all I had to do was ask the question, if I could go anywhere right now, where would I go? And just San Diego felt so expansive, so yeah. expansive. And so I would say it was definitely intuition and I would, and it definitely introduced me or it reconnected me back with my highest self for sure. hundred mm -hmm. percent. So, yeah, yeah. That's soul alignment. And our body always tells us what is in our best interest and what is not in our best interest. And so with part of the work that you do, is it reconnecting people to their, their truth, their soul alignment, and also a deep listening to the body of what is a hell yes, what is a hell no. And in that connection to the body, does anything come to mind for you of what that looks like to re, um, it's where I'm going with this. I know for a lot of my life, I was completely disconnected from my body. I was just living up in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's that saying, like, we're kind of just like heads walking yeah. around on the earth. You know, we're just stuck in the mind. But when we want to move into the like seat of our soul or co-creating our dream life, we have to come down onto the earth and be in our body and start to do the work that's present there. Does anything come up for you around that? Yeah. So, well, I mean, for me, I can agree with you there that I spent most of my life, I will say in a disassociated state, mm. 
just a lot of reality, a lot of social social situations um, were just too much for me. And I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. Uh, so especially over the last, when did that start in 2016 or 17, um, I got involved in somatic experiencing. I experienced it for myself. And then, you know, later on, I started learning other somatic modalities and that has been the, I mean, hypnosis gave me a huge breakthrough in the beginning. There were many other breakthroughs before that reconnected me to other parts of me. Um, but then for years. I continued to feel stuck, even though I was doing all the mindset work or not all, but you know what I mean? Every piece mm -hmm. of mindset work I could get my hands on. And it wasn't until I began working with my body, like reconnecting, processing trauma that's stored within the body that yes, I, I was able to listen to intuition before, um, but not as clearly because there was a lot of heady thoughts going on and considerations and opinions that i would have about everything and but now when i can tap into my body and all of us have the ability to tap into our body and the more we release trauma from our body that is stored in there the more subtle we begin to notice like the more we begin to hear more of the silent um senses you know one thing i i talk about is that when it comes to your intuition if we don't if we ignore the screams we'll never hear the whispers and so mm -hmm. if we're living out of alignment in our life in a big way like if we're in a relationship that we know is just not going to work or it's not the best match for us um then you're going to have a real hard time hearing your intuition or even getting a sense in your body of your intuition on the lighter things like little tiny nuances that you might need to change in your life. But as we begin to heal our traumas and as we begin to get more into alignment and remove the um, the misalignments in our life, like basically bring our life back into integrity and remove the relationships that don't work, start having boundaries that all energetically protects us so we can better hear and sense our own body and our own guidance. Because uh, you and I both know for sure that if you listen to your body's guidance, it, it's it's always driving you towards where you need to go or towards what you need to heal. That's it. Like the body's always guiding you towards where you need to go, what you need to heal. And mm -hmm. so I feel like the somatic piece uh, working, you know, I've done a lot of different modalities and working with people. Um, and each one has its own benefit and, you know, pros and cons type thing. But as long as you just begin incorporating the body piece, because un until we really work with the body, mind, soul holistically, um, it's hard to get a really clear picture of what's what when it comes to intuition. Um, yeah. But what I will say is just always go in the direction of healing. Mm -hmm. So what is somatic experiencing? So somatic experiencing, to be clear, I'm not a somatic experiencing practitioner. <laughs> I've mm -hmm. definitely I've referred a lot of people to somatic experiencing practitioners. Um, it was introduced to me uh, because in 2017, I started uh, incorporating, uh, like basically doing higher price sales in my programs and stuff like that, and for other people as well. And I was getting really triggered on calls and I wasn't sleeping at night. I was waking up at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Um, just 
uber triggered and mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what was going on. And um, my partner at the time, she was studying to be a somatic experiencing practitioner and she introduced me to the work. And then I went and worked with a practitioner and it absolutely unequivocally changed my life. Like I all of a sudden started to heal all mindset is so important, but um, it only works to the level that it works. And then, you know, at the core, at the bottom of it, at the foundation is your body, because that's mm -hmm. what we're all working from. You know, we, we can want higher ascension and realization and enlightenment, but we are all we are also humans in a body. And so yeah. we need to incorporate that. And so to answer your question, somatic experiencing is a modality um, where the practitioners, it's hard to describe what they do because each session can be quite different, but it's letting your body lead. Like they're, they are, they're highly trained and skilled at paying attention to your body when they ask you questions and at like holding your, your body or a body part, your hand, your arm, a leg or something. Um, or they also do it over um, Zoom. And it's just astonishing the breakthroughs you can have when you begin to work with the nervous system and incorporate the nervous system work, which is what they do. And I talk about somatic experiencing a lot because I help people have a lot of breakthroughs somatically um, in the work that I do. Uh, and when it's something much deeper, like, a, you know, um, let's say developmental trauma, like trauma that happened when you're developing as an early infant, um, then that's something that I would definitely refer out to a somatic experiencing practitioner who's trained in that. Um, because we can do a lot as coaches and sometimes, uh, not everyone, but sometimes we run into challenges that are uh, that really require a specialist in that specific area. Um, so I always like to at least let people know that they exist, but not everyone needs to work with them. That's for sure. Mm. Um, but it's definitely good to have the awareness that they exist. Yeah. The book, the body keeps the score kept keeps coming into my mind. And I don't know why, cause I, I have it, I haven't read it, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it is about like, we can only go so far with different modalities. And then that deeper dive within, um, whether it's somatic experiencing or working with the nervous system, or there's so many different ways that we can work with the body to release what is being so many. held within. And I know for you, you work with the, the nervous system and just going back to when you spoke about when you were uber triggered when you were doing yeah. sales calls i think it was right it was like i can see sometimes when i'm facilitating group coaching programs um through zoom when somebody disassociates right mm -hmm. and i know when i disassociate right and yeah. so could you talk a little bit about that disassociation what's happening on a um body level with the nervous system where we just kind of in my experience, when I go into a free state or disassociate, I'm, it's not safe for me to be in my body or in the building. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, but there's something going on within me. That's like, we got to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, there are two different types per se of, uh, but we'll, we'll just call it all a freeze response for now. Uh, we don't need to get into all the details, 
But in a freeze response, that is something that I have dealt with most of my life. It's definitely been my biggest challenge. And when I look back at it, uh, and it still comes up from time to time, but it's, yeah, when, when we don't feel safe, as you said, to be in the world, or when we don't feel safe to be in that interaction, or when we get triggered and abandonment, fear of abandonment might coming up or getting rejected, anything like that, you know, er, early in childhood, it comes on where if a child feels abandoned or left out or rejected, if they don't have anyone to process that emotion with, you know, any um, emotionally attuned or aware parent or caretaker or teacher if they're there at the time. And if they just shrug it off and you're left with the emotion as a child is too much. And so therefore the only way to function with that emotion is to disconnect from it, is to disassociate from it. But you can't just disassociate from the feeling, you actually disassociate from the self. And, you know, as you were just talking about the body keeps a score, uh, Gabor Mate's uh, book. And he talks about this a lot, that that's, you know, what trauma is, it's disconnecting from the self, because when we go into fight, flight or freeze, that's what it is. We're either fighting for our life, running for our life, or what's going on is too much. So now we're just disassociating because we feel hopeless. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to I find the more I talk about this with people, the more I realize how many people do deal with this association mm -hmm. at times. And it's, it really shows up as for, for quite a while, I didn't know I was disassociating. I had people around me saying, wow, you're such a space case or wow, like, where'd you go? Like, I feel like you're not here right now. Um, or like a deer in headlights. And to me, it just felt like I'm just, I'm just blah. Like I didn't realize other people noticed that all of a sudden I'm checked out. Um, but yeah, and it took me quite a while to begin to tap in that now before I wouldn't catch a freeze response until I'm in the depths of it. And then it can take me a very long time to get out of it. Let's say like four years ago, it would five years ago, it would take me a very long time to get out of a freeze response. Now, when I'm involved in an activity or if somebody says something, that brings it up. I feel like before, before it would be like 100% full on freeze response. I was like, Oh, God, like, I'm, I'm mm. screwed. Now I'm, I'm in the depths of it. And it's going to take probably a day to get out of this. And now it's at a point where I can feel a freeze coming on when it's only like 10%. Where it's mm. like, Oh, oh, I'm starting to disconnect a little bit. And then I will start to use nervous system regulation tools to bring myself back into safety and regulation. And so then that that's kind of, you know, a, a word that we use in nervous system work, which is a titration. So mm. basically, instead of trying to do something 100%, we'll just do a few percent of it, just do a little bit of it. And what we're doing is we're teaching our nervous system that I can do this thing that used to feel overwhelming, and then I can come back to safety. Like I, I can do it a little bit and then if it becomes too much, I can even pendulate, which means like a pendulum, I can swing back, get away from it and say, oh no, see, I'm safe. And you can call a friend, you can co-regulate with a friend, you can do some breathing techniques to bring your nervous system back into regulation. And so, yeah, it's about beginning to notice when we are checked out, when we are zoned out or disassociated from our body or numbed out is another way of putting it. And then using some nervous system regulation tools 
to bring your nervous system back online and into safety because the threat really isn't there anymore it's just a perceived threat and that's what we're our nervous system is reacting to the perceived threat that makes sense yeah no it definitely makes sense and with that, I mean, that can show up in so many ways that stops you from co-creating the life of your dreams, right? It's like mm-hmm. manifesting your your dream life with the goddess, which I don't think you use that word, but <laughs> with the <laughs> with the no, universe. No, it's not, not, a word it's not your doesn't roll off your tongue every day, right? Um and so the nervous system can show up to block us from co-creating the life of our dreams. Are there any ways that come to mind as how that can, can show up? I think for myself, it's just like, I'm calling something and I'm calling something in and my body's like, no, we're not, it's not safe mm-hmm. for us yeah. to receive that. Are there any other key players that um, come to mind of what stops us from from co-creating the life of our dreams. You mean about the nervous system or in general? In general. So I know nervous system is one of them. I mean, if there's areas to go deeper into that as well, if anything comes to mind, but what else kind of holds us back? Yeah, so I I call this the four levels, the four Mm -hmm. levels of what stops someone. And the first level is, you know, mindset work. So mindset, your language, your self-talk, um, and your limiting beliefs that you have about everything around you, like money doesn't grow on trees or whatever the limiting beliefs are that people have. Um, it's very, I want to say it's very important to address all of the four levels. You can't just do three and then think you're going to be successful. You, you have to address all four. If you, if you really want to experience your full expansion and so the first level is, like I said, mindset, limiting beliefs internal dialogue, self-talk. So it's all extremely important. And it's a lot of what you find in most personal development books, like most of the basic self-help books. Um, Then the next level is what I call identity. So identity is who do you know yourself to be? So, you know, one of the most, one of the first books I read around this that really changed things for me uh, was Psycho-Cybernetics. And it's a book by Maltz, Maltz, Maxwell, I think is his name. And he has a quote in it that when it comes to your identity, a human being always lives and acts in accordance with what he imagines to be true about himself and his environment. Now, said another way, you behave how you think about yourself. So if you think you're a winner, if you think that you're a successful coach who helps transform a lot of people's lives, then you're going, if you truly believe that and you imagine it, then you're going to act like that. Um, but if you see yourself as someone who's trying to be a successful coach or a successful speaker or a salesperson or whatever, whatever your, your, your jam is, if you're just trying to be that, but your self image is that you're a loser, which is something I dealt with a lot of my life, you're, you're that you're going to get stopped at the second level, which is identity because it's not congruent with who you know yourself to be and you're you're always going to come up against that because you're just that's how your programming works at the identity level um the next level is unconscious programming so you know studies now show that and this is at a minimum 
that by the time you're 35, 95% of everything you do is an unconscious pattern, habit, or behavior. So 95% of everything we do is an unconscious pattern. It's not even something we're aware of or that we think about. It's programmed in. So that means that if you decide, if someone is in business and you know they want to hit a certain financial goal, or no, let, let's do it a different way. Let's say if someone wants to get fit and healthy and they decide, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to eat so many whatever calories a day and I'm going to run every morning. Well, when you decide to make that change, if those are things that you've never done before, only 5% of you wants to make that change. 95% of your programming is committed to you not having that result, to you not being a runner that gets up every morning. So it's about becoming aware of all the unconscious programming that has us stuck with the current results that we're getting in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think about uh, Carol Jung, he has a quote around this, and I think he was so far ahead of his time in so many ways. But he said that until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll direct your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. And it's so true because our unconscious mind, like the world doesn't happen to us. We happen to us. Like we're constantly going around and 95% of us is just taking all these actions and saying these things to people. And we're not even fully aware of it all the time. And it's creating a reality. And that we think it's just fate. We think it's just the way the world is working. That's not, it's, it's how our unconscious is creating our world for us. Mm. Um, so it's about really becoming aware of the unconscious and the pre-programmed patterns that are just playing out that we do and we don't even know it. Yeah. Um, and this is, all these levels are important, especially you know if you're looking at working with a therapist, a coach, or a mentor, anyone to help you uh, figure your stuff out. Because the thing is, once you get into the unconscious levels, uh, if you're just doing it on your own, it's very challenging, as you know, uh, to, to find these patterns on our own because they're blind spots. We can't see them because we are unconscious to it. Yeah. Um, so it's just so important to have friends and mentors, coaches, whatever that are being honest with us. And that can point out like, Hey, you're actually, did you notice that you, you're doing this? You're like, no, I'm not. Oh, oof, I am. I am. I am. <laughs> and it just this analogy, I read it in a, a book recently. It's like a frog in a well. If we're in the well, we can't see outside of the well where coaches, mentors, friends, they can see what's going on outside, outside the well. And I, I, for my own personal journey, use this where it's like, if the same thing is showing up over and over again, which it does, mm-hmm. it's me. Like it is 100% me which is empowering because I can change me. I can't change those situations that are showing up and it's a belief within me that is creating them. So, you know, for anybody listening, if the same shit is showing up over and over and over again, it's you. And that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I I just, he's, he's not afraid of someone I know. Uh, but he said it to me joking around because he knows the work that I do. Uh, but he, he's in the dating world and he just said, you know, all these messed up women that keep coming in my life, man, if this, if this happens anymore, I'm going to have to start wondering if I got something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like you do. It's like, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it might, you might just be able to look at that right now. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's yeah, you can't see the picture if you're in the frame. So we gotta we gotta have Ooh, other good people analogy. see it for us. Yeah. 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 And so with that subconscious um programming, reprogramming, what does the yep. work look like to start to reprogram the subconscious mind? So essentially you're bringing the unseen into the scene. Um and you're working with what is creating the lens that you're seeing the world through. Yeah. So at, like? with my, with my work personally, uh, yeah, there's because of my background in, uh, hypnotherapy, you're working a lot with the mm -hmm. unconscious. Um, I've actually created my own modality per se. Uh, it's called STR somatic theta reprogramming. And the reason I created that is because for Quite a few years i was actually every time i would sign up a client i would buy them joe dispenza meditations because i didn't mm -hmm. want to just rip joe dispenza's work so therefore I'd, I'd have to buy like 40 or 50 dollars worth of his meditations every time to give to my clients but then they would have to go do meditations that were like 45 minutes to an hour and 16 minutes long and while they're great they are absolutely powerful what i noticed was my clients they were getting results, but on average, if they, if they did the meditations six, seven, let's say seven times a week, you know, once a day, um, at best, they would report the next week that they had one or two good meditations. And I just thought to myself, like, why, why is that? Like, why are, why are we some days not be able, we're not able to go deep and some days we are. And I also experienced this with myself in doing recorded hypnosis tracks. Whereas some days they would work well and some days they wouldn't. Um, and what I began to realize was when I looked at certain clients who had more activation in their nervous system. So they spent a lot more time in fight, flight or freeze, what we call nervous system dysregulation. Um, they were the ones who were mainly struggling on certain days to get into the meditation. And so then what I did was I basically took hypnosis, which is known, I mean, hypnosis and yoga nidra, which I know you do yoga nidra. Mm -hmm. um, there, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who I think a lot of people are becoming very familiar with these days, very popular uh, neuroscientist um, who works out of Stanford. Um, but he's done a lot of studies around this. And what they've realized is that yoga nidra, and hypnosis and there are other modalities but those two main ones are really good for reprogramming the unconscious mind and for you know bringing it down into an alpha theta state either one of those you know mm. uh, states you want to be in for reprogramming and and if anyone doesn't know what i'm talking about right now it's actually the we go into beta alpha theta and delta uh, brain waves and each one represents a certain brainwave state that we're in like right now, likely, hopefully you and I, Lisa, are in beta and anyone who's listening <laughs> is hopefully in beta. Um, and but when you get into theta and when you get into um, I'm sorry, when you get into alpha and then when you get into theta, there are more of the states you get into for reprogramming your unconscious mind because it gives you access to your unconscious mind without all of your limiting beliefs getting in the way and stopping it. Um, and so yeah, he's really come out a lot and talked about how powerful, uh, especially those two methods are. And that actually is what caused me to step back and say, wait, like hypnosis absolutely changed my life. Like it, it transformed my life 
many, many years ago. And so I started playing around with uh, blending hypnosis, meditation, um, and also somatic exercises all blended into one. Um, and so then I ended up creating over time somatic data reprogramming, which basically what we do is when the person sits down to do the meditation or the hypnosis, embedded into it is nervous system exercises and language throughout the whole thing that causes your nervous system to come back into regulation and to hopefully stay in regulation for the whole thing. And so those tracks right now, they average anywhere between 12 to 22 minutes, depending on the one that the person is doing. Um, but I've been using a lot of that to help reprogram the unconscious mind. That is more a passive way of doing it. It's, you know, reprogramming your unconscious mind in the morning or the evening when you're listening to those. Mm. And then, yeah, throughout your life, the very first step to it is becoming aware of what your unconscious patterns currently are mm -hmm. and then getting you to do things that are the they don't have to be the opposite but they do have to be very different than the old pattern so like if you usually have a pattern of going over to the couch sitting down and you know snacking or whatever well yeah. the, you're going to find yourself just over there doing that some days but as the second you catch yourself you just gotta get up and change like i'm doing something else um, and not to be dramatic, but that was something for me. Every time I would get on my couch, I noticed my mood would drop. Um, it's a much longer story, but I just, the couch wasn't a happy place for me. And so anytime mm -hmm. I noticed myself just going over to or being on the couch, I would actually go over to the kitchen and do a headstand. And wow. I would do that because I was just, I'm not, I'm not telling anyone listening, you should go do headstands. <laughs> Take the actions you take are totally your responsibility. Be careful. Um, but I personally did that because I saw myself as someone who can't do headstands. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to go do something I think I can't even do. And so I actually taught myself to do headstands. And but it was all to break me out of that state of going to that couch and doing that thing. Um, so yeah. it doesn't need to be extreme like that, but just anything that's different than the old pattern. Mm. That makes sense it's so powerful because our brain is literally like a computer program. So if we're just doing our same motions over and over again, it's like driving somewhere the same way. We're just on autopilot. And so anytime that you shift that you're creating new pathways in the brain, which, which is essentially creating a new version of you, yeah. you know, it might even 100%. be just sitting at a different chair at the table as opposed to doing a headstand. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you don't have to do a head. You definitely don't have to do a headstand. I also don't even recommend it um, just for liability reasons. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it, it can it can literally be anything. But what I will say is the best thing to do when you're breaking a pattern, as long as it's safe and in best interest of your health to do so, is to do something that you think you wouldn't do. Because mm. now you're literally you're not just breaking that pattern. You're creating, you're creating new circuitry in your mind. You're not just decoupling and unwiring old connections. You're literally wiring in new connections, which is again, something I, I definitely recommend people do when they're breaking patterns is go do things that you, you have said in the past, like, I would never do that. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. not that type of person. Well, you mm -hmm. can actually be any type of person. Like you can, you can choose yeah. to do anything. So like know, I've literally said that. What's that? I've literally said that to you. Like, I'm just not that type of person. 
Well, I, I know I've said it to you. I'm sure. <laughs> but now I'm like curious. I'm like, oh, what did I say that about? Like as an opportunity to, yeah. to step into a, a new version of me, but it's so true. And what comes to mind, like I used to hold the mask, like I'm just not an emotional person. I'm, that's not who I am. And that was such mm -hmm. bullshit. Like when that mask came yeah. off, like <laughs> I'm such an emotional person. So it is, it's like, we hold, we have this dialogue. Well, that's just not who I am. And that is such an invitation to be like, question that and maybe step into that and see what's on the, on the other side for sure. Yeah. And what that brought me to, sorry, you go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, I've just witnessed that for myself, even within my own business. Cause there were, we're definitely shifting gears here now. Some, anyways, it's yeah. There's some changes being made in my business, and I'm taking on tasks that I've never done before. And I'm now doing things that just a few weeks ago I said like I would never do. I can't do that. I'm just not the type of person mm. that can do that. Like I was literally bullshitting myself. Sorry if I can say that on the podcast. You can, yeah, you can swear. Okay, but yeah, I was totally bullshitting myself, saying I'm not. I'm just not that type of guy. I'm just not good at that. And then uh, when I got that done and sent it in to have it delivered. I, I remember getting up from my desk and I was like, holy shit, I'm someone that does that. Mm. Like I'm mm -hmm. now, I've just did what I said I would never do. I said, I did what I said I couldn't do. And now I just did it. So now I'm the person who can do that. Mm. And that's yeah. such a powerful feeling. It's like, you know, uh, one thing that I've gotten, well, not all clients, a client to do in the past, um, because he had a lot of concerns around how he showed up in public and everything else, judgment. And this was a few years ago. Um, but I literally got him to go in the middle of his city where there are people walking around everywhere and just lie down on the sidewalk. And like, cause you, you said that you, you would never do that. And there's nothing mm -hmm. life-threatening about it. You're in a safe place, go do it. And then, but when you do it, what you realize is that it was all just based on a story that you had about yourself. Mm -hmm. And like you, it might be the smallest little thing, but when you do it, um, it, it can totally change how you see yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's such an invitation to just go lie on a sidewalk or, or do those random things that we say that we'll never do. And for me, what it, what it does, and I don't, don't do the things that step outside my comfort zone all the time for sure um but it instills that trust in the self when we do do yeah. it you know like lying on a sidewalk in the middle of the city <laughs> <laughs> well he was in a park it was like a sidewalk in a park but either way yeah Still. it's yeah it's it, it breaks the old image like yeah. it literally yeah. shatters the old image of self and so now the only thing you can do is create a new self in that area because the old mm -hmm. self no longer works in that area. It just, it doesn't match. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that can be very powerful as well. Yeah. I, I it, she had a mentor in the past. Yeah, I should shave my head because I said I would never do that. And that's, I haven't done that yet. The day is probably coming. I think I'm getting forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> the universe is like you're doing it whether you want to or not yeah. it's happening what um yeah. what that brought forward for me was when you made the decision to go to san diego from newfoundland that yeah. I, I think it's fair to say was not your normal path
pattern. Like you, you did no. something that you weren't fully prepared or would have not been something that you would have done in the past. And so doing that, um, you know, lying on a sidewalk in a park, it's all like, it sounds like courage. And you've spoken to me mm. a lot about this. And so those are like courageous, brave moments that instill the trust in ourselves. It's like, we've got our own back. We can trust ourselves to show up, but what it also does is, um, shifts your energy, your frequency. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about what happens when we shift our energy, our frequency, and then miracles and synchronicities and opportunities? Cause that is so what showed up for you when you were in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's so interesting how it, did that because that that ended up breaking a lot of different ideas and models I had in my head because I actually ended up moving to San Diego, as you know, uh, but uh, a month later, but then a few, eight or nine days after that, the pandemic happened and I decided to come back to Canada and it even broke another model that I said, I, I can't work from Newfoundland. I just, you know, I, I don't like working from back there. And then I ended up back there for two months because I had to quarantine and be with family and my business ended up exploding in a good way during mm -hmm. that time like it just kept getting better and better um but all of that was made possible um as you said it just comes back down to courage and so you know uh was it dr david hawkins he uh he talks about you know the levels of consciousness and so when we're in disempowered frequencies or when we're in disempowered we'll say vibrations or whatever you want to call it um, they're the lower levels. So that's like fear, like uh, apathy, guilt, shame, all those feelings that keep you stuck. And the very first emotion that can actually help us out of all that stuckness is courage. It's a, literally the access point. So, and you know, my, my work is built around this, but also I know you enough to know that a lot of your work is built around this as well because you're all about getting people back to their truth, like back to, you have your own wording around it. Um, and it's probably goddess, womb, something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just slightly more feminine than the words that you might use. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's about, you know, on the highest levels of consciousness is joy, enlightenment, joy, gratitude. They're all up there. And if you are operating from enlightenment, we'll leave enlightenment out because that's like very few of us ever get there but from like joy, gratitude, and love, all of those are the higher levels of consciousness. And, you know, and his levels are above 500 and, and how he measures them. When you are operating in that state, synchronicities and extraordinary outcomes are the norm. Now you've seen this, I've seen this in your life and you've seen this in my life. And we've seen it in many clients' lives when you can get people and you don't have to always be operating from there because it, it's basically impossible. But what will get you there is getting clear on who you really are and what would bring you that joy, what would bring you that love, what would bring you that gratitude of being up there and then having the courage to just go towards it. Just go. And I, I know you have seen this so many times. We both have where someone is, they, they finally figure out who they really are and what they really want. And now they actually got to take that step. Like they just got to go for it. And that is the scariest friggin' part. But if you can have the courage to go towards it, 
you're literally at the breaking like you are at the breakthrough point because the breakthrough point is courage and when we look at what courage even means courage cannot exist without fear like courage is taking action when fear is present so therefore like if you're feeling fear and you don't want to go for it understand that how to be courageous is just to take action like that's being stuck in the fear keeps you stuck on the lower levels and that will keep you stuck for a long time um but just if you get clear on anything you want just some direction and just begin to go in that direction either immediately or sometime soon after you're going to start getting introduced to different people that want to help you or this that which has been a big thing in my life lately i'm so grateful for all the amazing people that are coming into my life but this it all comes from having the courage and trust to just move towards what you really want and who you really are yeah yeah courage is such an important piece and i think for you know courage can be the big action actions Mm -hmm. that we take but you know if you're like in a moment of darkness or sadness or however it might look like you've helped me with this over the past little while it can be like courage is just doing something that you normally wouldn't do which might be like showing up for yourself and saying I love you in the mirror or meditating or just something that shifts you out of the norm that's kind of holding you in those, you know, lower vibrations, we'll call it. And so just like, how could I just show up for myself? Cause sometimes it can be really courageous just to show up for ourselves and be like, I'm choosing me. Yeah. That's so now we're using courage and we're entering the, the, like the self-love conversation Mm -hmm. and self-love this has been a big realization for me in the last, like, it's like I knew it years ago, but I didn't know it, know it. Like it didn't really land for me. And that is that self-love is a verb. Like it, it's an action. And so there are many times, it's so interesting. Like if I have friends over, I will cook a big meal or we'll order food or whatever, but I'll cook. And usually like my favorite thing to make is spaghetti. and if I'm having someone over, I don't ever hold back from cooking a big meal. I love doing it. But if it's just me here, I'll starve. Like, like <laughs> I just, I, I'll just eat snacks and this and that and I'll whatever. And I'll like order out. And one of my biggest breakthroughs around this is just realizing like, it, it's like I was telling myself, no, I love myself. And that's why like, I, I want to treat friends so well. I love my friends, so I want to cook for them. Um, but I wasn't doing the same action with myself as I was with them. And so it was realizing that, hey, even if I, because I would look at it and say, yeah, it's not a big deal. I actually don't like cooking that much, so I just won't cook. I, I'm just going to be lazy. But then I always bring it back to... Well, if there was someone here who I did want to be a, like, I wanted to make sure that they were as happy as possible, what would I do? I'd cook a meal. Okay, we'll cook a meal. And then I just, I make myself do that. Um, and so it's like, yeah, the, the, the self-love piece has been so important because I felt like I had self-love before, but I didn't have it as a verb. Like I didn't have it as 
taking the action each day and doing all the things because I felt like I could love myself and not do those things. Um, but really loving myself is loving myself as I did and as I do and doing the things, even if it, even if I am feeling lazy and some days, yes, order food, whatever. Um, but yes, it's having the courage to show up for ourselves and to do that thing. Like you said, whether it's scary or not, it, it could be some big action that you got to take to launch a business or whatever the thing is. Um, but it's also comes down to having the, the intimate or the, um, vulnerable conversations with ourselves or with other people or, but yeah, it comes down to having the courage to, to get uncomfortable and, and do those things, even yeah. the minute things. Yeah. It's like the micro and the macro, the little things add up to the big things as well. And, you know, it's like we coming back to that, making the choices that the highest self would make, which you did when you, when you went to San Diego, that can be, terrifying and I think it's important to know like it's terrifying to make those big decisions to like step into those courageous acts of stepping outside the comfort zone because it it triggers our ego our ego is like holy shit like what's on the other side this is the unknown I want to stay exactly where I am that's where I feel safe and so just recognizing for everybody listening like there's going to be the fears that come up when you step outside your comfort zone and take action but it's really moving from those spaces of surviving, just mm -hmm. being in survival into like thriving and yeah. coming back to like a life of fulfillment that you spoke of, like at the beginning of the conversation, that's thriving, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing just survival about that. Yeah. So that courage, but knowing, you know, sometimes it's, it's challenging to take this step, but what meets you on the other side is is more of yourself and a life of success and thriving and freaking magic you don't even know for for both of us and for anyone listening you literally don't know what's available mm. you literally like you've just watched me go through this in my business even in the last mm. couple of months because i've i've done some things i would said i would never do and um <laughs> i've never been more fulfilled in my business ever like I'm, I, my whole life and my business are showing up completely differently for me. Um, and what I want to say is that, and this is not my quote, I think, I think first person I ever heard say this was Kyle Cease. And that is, I'm paraphrasing, it's easy to measure what you might lose, but you can't see what you might gain. Like you just, it's so easy to say, oh, well, I, I'm afraid to do this because then I might lose this, 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 but you literally don't know the magic that's behind that door waiting for you. You literally don't know that all those things you might lose don't even matter on the other side. Yeah. Like they, they, they're not a blip on the radar. When you get to being that other person that walks through that door and takes that chance on yourself, like you don't even know. You have no idea. Yeah. It, it it's like making space for the magic and God, the universe to like surprise the shit out of you when you let go yeah, and step into the other side. And, and, you know, coming back to that manifesting story around Avalon, like that was beyond my wildest dreams. I never mm -hmm. thought that something would like that would have happened, you know, but I had to leap 
and trust and just believe so deeply in myself and in the creator to lead the Mm -hmm. way. And then, you know, we always get surprised on the other side for sure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. You just feel so surprised. And so in awe, absolute awe of what's showing up in your life. And so I, I, wow. Why did it take so long to make that change? (laughs) (laughs) Then you're like, I wish I would have done it months ago. So what is, and I don't know if we want to go into this, but you know, it's almost like as a collective level, we're moving from that survival into thriving, you know, but Mm -hmm. we're holding on as a collective because we're so scared. The collective energy is so scared what's on the other side, but it's like, we're gonna, I don't think we don't have a choice. We do not have a choice. We're going into this unknown, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're experiencing is that gripping and holding on. And yeah, I just know there's magic on the other side. I, I definitely, even in everything that we're all going through right now, because even though like, I'm grateful for how a lot of the last two years have gone, but there have been obviously as a collective, there have been so many challenges. It's, it's so bizarre to operate in this world versus two and a half years ago two completely different worlds we're in. Um, but, you know, we talked about earlier that um, sometimes to find out who you are, you have to experience what you're not or who you're not. And I believe that that's what we're going through right now. I believe mm-hmm. like one of my biggest lessons in life that I learned in 2019 after joining a men's group that absolutely also was such a contribution to my life and it changed my life. And, but what it brought in was community and community in a way that just it did blow my mind the healing and nervous system wise that sense of i'm good like i'm taken care of like even if even if this shit hits a fan everything blows up i lose everything in my life i'm still good i'm still good because i have community and that gives you this i don't want to say bulletproof but it's just this feeling of like I'm okay and I'm gonna be okay. And I think that that's what's happening in the world right now when I look around because we've been forced to isolate away from each other, but that is just introducing us to more of what isn't us. It's like, no, this isn't, you know, you and I have had this conversation about, you know, people getting together and like having actual communities, like living together places and so many different people are having that conversation and so you know without getting into all the talk about all the challenges of the world right now i think all of the challenges are forcing the people who previously were not willing to look at what's really going to make you happy what's really going to make you feel fulfilled um and i really think that everything we're going through it's just helping us see better what matters yeah yeah because at the end of the day no matter what gets thrown at us we have we have ourselves the connection with ourselves the union with ourselves but we also have community and people that are so important and supporting us on this path for sure yeah yeah and i know that most of my listeners are probably women 
I do, I do coach mm-hmm. men as well, but I would say, but for the men out there, because men are doing the work, just like mm-hmm. the women were all on these healing journeys and men gathering together is so instrumental just as women gathering together. Are there a couple books that you could throw out there that are so, I don't know, integral. That's the word that's coming to mind yeah. for, um, for, for the men on the path. So there, there are a few books I would recommend the, I, I would say two that I recommend. I almost wish this one had, had a different title. I'm not sure if you've read this, but I definitely recommend everyone read it. And that is way of the superior man by David data. And I think that's how you say his name. And that's a super helpful book because it just introduces you to a lot or a few counterintuitive ideas of how men, and I'm going to speak in heteronormative terms here, but how men function in the world and also how the masculine functions with the feminine in relation. And so the dynamics of what works with that, what doesn't. Um, Also another, I just read this uh, two years ago, I think it was, and that is King Warrior Magician Lover. And so this covers actually the four archetypes of the masculinity or of of a man. And, but it it covers the archetypes, but then on the, in the background of it, it's also teaching you about the shadow archetypes, like the, the, you can be a king, but there's also a king who isn't developed is a tyrant. And so same goes for like the, the wizard. So like a king has embodied all of the different archetypes so a king embodies the warrior the warrior goes out and takes action and stands up for what's important and you know that's that energy which we're seeing a lot of in certain people these days lately um that's the warrior energy um but the warrior i can't remember the title but on in the background the if that's not developed in a healthy way you're more of a toxic masculinity macho man where you're just like abusing that energy and that power that you have to take advantage and step on other people. And so you really want to dial that part of you in so that you know how to responsibly have that warrior energy. And it's not warrior to go attack, it's, it's energy to show up in life for self and others. And so that's the warrior. The magician is basically, you know, and I'm really trying to summarize these quickly, but it's based around mastery. And so mastery on a subject, it it's, has a lot to do with, you know, intellectual, like learning things and uh, learning processes, tools, whatever it is, your craft might be playing tennis, it might be being a coach, it might be being a lawyer, whatever someone's thing is. But the wizard energy is actually mastering that. I again, forget what the shadow side of that is, but the shadow side uses all of that mental ability for manipulation and to control others. So it's about being aware of like, wait, wait, am I using this for contribution? Because you, we can, we all have the ability to use our intellectual powers to destroy others or to build others up. And it depends on how well we've integrated it. Um, and same goes with the lover energy. Lover energy is all about connection and being with others and all that stuff. Um, but if it's not integrated properly, you become too much of that. And then you don't get anything done in the rest of your life because you're just all the love energy. And we see that a lot in personal development where men step too far into the lover energy 
and but then they have very little edge or fire for them yeah. to take action and actually do things they kind of want to meditate and just manifest but without taking action which we know does nothing other than buy you more manifestation time um <laughs> <laughs> but with the king energy king energy is when you've you have brought all the archetypes together as one and you can show up in the world in an integrated and empowered way and being integrated with your shadow as well knowing that you can be those dark things you can be have those sides of you that you're not proud of but because you process them you can now be integrated with them and not have them projected out onto the world so long-winded answer but that book is really powerful for teaching men i th also think women should read that book um because it's the same thing women also have it's just different titles for the archetypes yeah. but yeah uh, the way is superior man and king warrior magician lover and last piece i will throw in for any guy who's a people pleaser meaning living your life uh, just to please others all the time no more mr nice guy uh definitely a good book there for men mm. so i'm recommending that one because i've run into quite a few men lately who've who've found that book to be a contribution and i have as well so mm. Yeah, I read The Way of the Superior Man, and I have to say it was very healing for yeah. myself, just even to, you know, heal the masculine that is within me, yeah. and also to understand the men in my life yeah. from a, a different perspective. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious, or I probably will read the second one that you said, The Magic Lover. King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Tony Ro Robbins, we did a Tony Robbins you thing together. You and I together. did the Tony Robbins <laughs> thing together. We did it in Calgary. Um, he did, the, he changed one of them. And I think it's because of, he didn't want to like sound too masculine or too, like he he basically wanted to try to keep it to both men and women or, you know, masculine, mm. feminine. And yeah, his was sovereign warrior, magician, lover. I think mm. sovereign was king, like he replaced king with sovereign, yeah. but yeah. same thing. And yeah, this work has been around for a long time, but we're noticing that it's it's a cornerstone in how to fully integrate all sides of you, the, the, I'll say good and bad, or the, you know, the things we're proud of and the things we're shameful of. Mm. And when we integrate it, we can be the king, warrior, magician, lover. And yeah, it was very impressive to see Tony Robbins even integrate it into his work. Cause that, that's mm -hmm. a whole new level uh, to his work. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I remember that yeah. <laughs> and inspiring and activating and yeah, all, all the magic for sure. So with kind of just coming back to the beginning of our conversation and fulfillment and success and how it was very much in alignment with the ego. And now it's very much in alignment with the soul. What does success mm -hmm. look like for you? Or what is your definition of success? What is my definition of success? I feel like I should have this nailed down more than it is. But for me, it's, yeah, I, I, I could bring it down to two things. And that is connection and fulfillment. And so feeling connected to yourself and the people around you and fulfillment in what it is, what it is you do. And it doesn't mean what, what it is you even do for work, but just what you're doing throughout the day like feeling connected to it. Like I said, if I already said it, or I don't even play tennis, but if you play tennis or if you hike or what, 
feeling connected to that thing you're doing and not just doing something because you're just doing it. But like the, the action of doing the thing makes you feel even more connected to yourself. You know, yeah. for me, you know, big one is nature. And so like spending so much time in nature that makes me feel connected to me. And, um, you know, I always say every time, every time I lose myself in life, I find mm -hmm. myself in nature. That's mm -hmm. so true. When life gets hectic or I'm going through a hard time or whatever, my immediate go-to is just go to nature. Because when I go to nature, I can be stressed out, but nature will bring me back to my center. Um, so yeah, to me, success is connection with self and others and fulfillment in, in how we're showing up. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. really it. I don't know if that's too vague, but that's what success feels no. like to me. That's beautiful. I, I was asked the question the other day when uh, a friend interviewed me for the podcast and I was like, oh, what is it? And for me, it was freedom. It's just freedom mm. to be able to do whatever mm. I want to do, you know, when Third I'm... word. <laughs> Third <laughs> word. <laughs> freedom is actually my that... number one value. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just living the life that I want to live. And, and when you were speaking about success and it's like, we've been so conditioned to do a bunch of stuff that society says we should do. And mm -hmm. that's not freedom in my experience, you know, and that's not connection to myself either. Mm -hmm. That's yep. going through the motions and being bound by the narrative of the programming is what, you know, the kind of the, the patriarchy. What, what we're being sold. Yeah. What, what we're, we're being, being sold. sold. Yeah, yeah which I think is what we're also breaking free from right now as a collective, what we've been sold for a yeah, really long it's, time. While, while I don't understand uh, certain things that the younger generation, like the new, I don't even know what we call the newest generation, but um, while I know that there are certain things that I can't even wrap my head around, but like, anyway, some music. <laughs> <laughs> but But what I will say is, that they do have it right that you know I, I just heard someone recently a friend of mine who he runs a co anyways he runs a company has a bunch of employees and with the younger generation he's having a hard time finding people who want to like work 40 hours a week um, but i also think it's because you know if you go too far on that side of all, wanting nothing but freedom well that you're going to suffer because you mm -hmm. need to have some structure and something in your life to you know, take care of the finances. But it's interesting how we're seeing the pendulum swing the other way now. And I remember when I was growing up, we were taught that, you know, you want to have multiple vehicles and a house and this and that, and you want to, you need to make at least $120,000 a year. And like all, all this stuff that were just ideas that we were friggin' sold, mm -hmm. like by people who wanted to loan us money. Um, and now we have these younger generations. And I feel like like Tim Ferriss was almost responsible for this because he put the idea out there many years ago that to be rich doesn't mean you have to make a million dollars a year. It means if if you're if you can live your dream life for thirty five hundred bucks a month or for fifty five hundred bucks a month, it means that you need to make fifty five hundred bucks a month. Mm. Like that's it. Because if your dream life is okay, well, I want to be able to do this, this, and live in Mexico and do this thing, and that's four thousand dollars, and I'd like to put a thousand dollars a month away in investments. Okay, so you got to make five thousand dollars a month to feel rich. Yeah, not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so I feel like the the freedom piece. I'm I'm really glad you said that. I'm very surprised I missed it. <laughs> but freedom is so important because, yeah, without it, well, without it, it's hard to feel fulfillment, and without it, it's uh, it's hard to feel a connection from yourself because, yeah, we just mm-hmm. feel suppressed and controlled. Surviving, and, uh, we feel like we're just surviving. Yeah, you know, freedom is thriving and looking outside the box and the narrative and it it came up for me just at the beginning of the conversation I think you spoke about like if you have this much amount of money if you have this career like you know kind of you had all the things that should have made you happy but you weren't happy and that's that's the illusion that we've been sold Mm, yeah so what has been your biggest lesson um no i was just gonna say i remember in 2011 i remember sitting or kind of sitting kind of lying kind of in fetal position on my living room floor uh like literally crying because i i hated my life i hated everything about it i hated everything about it because nothing that i achieved I achieved a lot, but nothing that I achieved made a difference internally. I still hated myself. I still hated my life. Um, Yeah. So it really is about connecting back to that and then protecting it with everything you got. Yeah. 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 What has been the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? The biggest lesson. So I actually, I thought about this because you did let me know that this question was going to come up, you know, three (laughs) questions. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So the, I actually had a couple and we already touched on one of them and that is, is one itself. Love is a verb. So, cause that, that has been a huge lesson for me. Um, another big one. And that is, we're all just figuring this out. Like whether you're looking up to Tony Robbins or whoever, Marie Forleo or whoever the, the personal development leader is, it's making millions and millions and millions or whether you're, no matter who you're looking up to, they're figuring it out. Like they're probably ahead of you in that area that you're looking up to them in, but understand that behind closed doors, they're a friggin' mess in some area in their life and they're figuring shit out. And so it was, it's realizing that. And in realizing that it causes us to be more okay with our mess, what we're dealing with. And then we're able to reach out and ask for help from other people. And so that for me is, it's almost like the third lesson or the third um, piece here for me is community will heal you and be willing Get your place to get yourself to a place where you can reach out and ask for help and more and as importantly, I should say, receive help. So you don't have to do this all on your own. Um, And like I said, communities, what really taught me that is realizing getting put in a place in life where I had to accept help from others. And because I really, until a few years ago, I thought I could do everything on my own. I thought I could pay anyone to do anything I wanted because I didn't want to owe anyone a favor and all, all this friggin' baggage I had around receiving help. And 
what I know is that when you get surrounded by people who truly have similar values to you and have, you know, similar ish beliefs to yours, they don't have to all be the same. There's not much you're going to want for like they're, they're going to have your back and you're going to feel with that support, you're going to feel safe to go out in the world. So for me, it's been the self-love thing. It's been be willing to ask for help um, and find community that you can fall into and trust and you give them everything that you got for them and they'll give everything they got for you. Mm. I love that. It makes me think of that. Like, I know when you have your, your YouTube channel and everything going, you're, you're going to do a series on off the pedestal. And Mm. what, when you were speaking about that, what came up in me is we, we put these people on pedestals and think they have it all figured out like Tony Robbins or, or whoever it might be. But I mean, I think we both can say 100%, like they're still on their healing path. They're Mm -hmm. still in their human journey. They don't have it all figured out. And, you know, so just, it's, it's humbling to know that we're all still healing. They have their support team. They have their coaches, their healers, all that kind of stuff. Nobody has reached enlightenment in my experience. You know, they're still going through the dark nights of the soul and yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it gives us permission to meet ourselves where we're at when we're in those heavy moments, because as a human, we're all going through it 100%. Yeah, we, we all are. There's, yeah, I, I, I have to meet, I have yet to meet anyone who's not a mess. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, that's true. Different mess, different area. That's all it is. Everyone's got a different mess in a different area. Yeah, we all have our life lessons and things that we're mastering and challenges and all of it. We all have all of it. Yeah. How do you how do you meet the mysteries? How do I meet the mysteries? You know what? That one's easy. Um, how I meet the mysteries is when I when I hear mysteries. That to me is synchronicities and extraordinary outcomes. Mm-hmm. What I spoke of earlier, like when you're operating from a place of love, gratitude, joy. Um, and so how I meet the mysteries is by having the courage to trust, like my inner guidance, whatever. And I know when I, and I still, and, and to be totally transparent, I also, I teach this stuff and at times I struggle. At times when there are, there's something at risk that I really don't want to lose, I hesitate because I don't want to lose that thing. But my heart's pulling me in that direction and to do this thing. And when I trust it and go towards it, that is how I meet the mystery. Because that to me, that's when synchronicities and extraordinary outcomes come in. And that to me is a mystery. <laughs> like, I don't know how it works. Um, but I know it does. Yeah. I love that. Cause when you witness it working, it's like, holy, holy shit. Like there's so much more going on than what we're seeing with our, our human eye, you know, it just opens us up to the unseen and the magic and the the mystery of this. And it's so exciting. It is so, it's so exciting because it brings opportunities. I know we touched on this before, but it brings opportunities 
and outcomes and people and just everything into your life. And it just blows your mind and it creates a new reality for you. And you're just, you're in awe. You're like, well, I can't, I waited how many years to make this change? Are you kidding me? What the, and then you're just shaking your head. Like, why didn't I do this earlier? Um, So, and like I said, it always comes with challenges too, but holy shit, they're worth it. Um, Yeah. 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 It just made me think when you're speaking that there's a reel and I, I haven't been doing reels on Instagram that much, but I used to love reels there for a little while and you can get the sound bites (laughs) (laughs) and it was like, do the thing, do the thing. And, and this like conversation of this reel, like going back and forth about being scared to do the thing. And I think the like wisdom from what you just shared around the mysteries is just do the thing. It's going to surprise you on the other side. Do the thing. Do it. Do the thing. How do you root into the self? Rooting into the self. So how I root into myself, there are a few different things I do. First one, I already talked about it, nature. Mm. Like every time I lose myself in life, I find myself back in nature. And that is my my go-to. There are a few other things that I do. Movement has become one that in the last few years I've incorporated. So that could be dance or whatever. But if I'm feeling a little, I'll say disassociated or disconnected from myself or disempowered, movement, just dancing. And just when I'm doing it, just focusing on my body, just being in my body and not being in my head. And that brings me back to myself. Um, Also something, one of my clients actually, uh, when we wrapped up, a year or two ago, she gifted me a book called The Artist's Way. And so in that, it teaches you to write morning pages. And so I started to write morning pages. And so what it is, you just, as soon as you get up every morning, you write three pages longhand. And you don't think about what you're writing or anything like that. You just write. That's all you do. And I don't do that every morning but I do it a few times a week now. And, but for what, for quite a while, I was doing it every morning. And that certainly helps bring me back to myself. If I have a lot going on in my head or anything like that, I'll sit down in the morning and do morning pages. And that usually empties the can and it just lets me now be present with myself. Um, and then of course, like there's meditation, STR tracks, you know, all this, all the other tools. Um, and the other thing is comedy and play just which involves connection. You can't really have much comedy or play on your, well, you can have comedy and play on your own, but I mean, in terms of connection, um, I, I really feel like in the world, joy, laughter is just so important. And so, you know, when, when we're children, we're for most children. Like laughing is a natural thing. Like we just naturally do it. We're not stressed out. Some are, unfortunately, but most aren't. And I just believe it's just so important to to laugh a lot more in life and to just enjoy and have fun and uh, yeah, laugh with friends. Yeah, mm, beautiful. Yeah. 
Is there anything else that you want to add to this beautiful conversation before we close? Um, the only thing I want to add is that I really appreciate what you're doing here. Like, I really appreciate, I've watched you on your journey. I mean, I, I think back to us, whatever, however many years ago. And 2012, we're both, 10 years ago. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, I think like back to then when we were coaching and like doing our thing and just stumbling our way, just trying to trying our best to try our best. And I've watched you really evolve, especially over the last, I guess, five years or whatever, mm-hmm. where you're really dialed in with who you help now. And you're really good at just following what feels right for you. And mm-hmm. I remember not too long ago, and I know that this is how you operate. You're like, I'm going to do this thing. And then like two days later, it's launched and you're <laughs> Whereas I'm like, okay, I need to hire a consultant and like, we'll just get this figured out. Um, but I just really appreciate that energy that you bring to the world because it inspires me too. Like I see you say like, I'm going to do this thing. And then like 24 hours later, you have a podcast launch with three episodes out. And I'm like, what? She did what? So I just really appreciate the energy that you bring to this world, what you're doing. And now you're sharing your message in a whole new way with this. Um, hopefully it doesn't affect your, your Instagram real flow too much, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, that's really what I want to add here is that I, I appreciate, I appreciate you as a person, as a coach, you've certainly helped me through a lot of times and, uh, I appreciate you, uh, for what you're doing here in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.